It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors split a pair of games against the Mavericks and Bulls. They lose one all-star and get another back. We're going to sort through it all. We're also going to talk about Christian Coloco and OG Ananobi tearing it up on the defensive end. We'll talk about weird lineup combinations and the concerns. Now that Pascal Siakam is going to miss at least two weeks. That's all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors with Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com. Here we go. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on welcome to episode number 1276 of locked on raptors for monday november the 7th i am your host sean woodley of post touches by brand new Substack. you can go subscribe to it's just my pinned tweet over at woodley sean if you want to support it there you can find the show on twitter as well at locked on raptors you can follow subscribe to and review the podcast for free on all your podcast apps as usual and we are of course on youtube if you want to see the video version of the show each day please go over and hit the big red subscribe button on the locked on Raptors channel and you have done me a service for which I will forever be in your debt. All right, on today's show, we are digging into the Toronto Raptors one and one weekend against the Mavericks and the Bulls. Another Bulls game tap for tonight as well as all 30 NBA teams are playing and we've of course uh got to dig into the Pascal Siakam injury, the return of Fred VanVleet, all that stuff. Joining me today is our pal Vivek Jacob of raptors.com. Big V, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great, too. Uh, glad to hear Alfonso Davies is apparently not at risk of missing the World Cup with a muscle tear. Uh, that was the big concern of my weekend, and I'm sure yours yeah. as well. So that's good, uh, I guess. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, this is based on my very amateur um, experience of having torn my own hamstring um, mm-hmm. and having had multiple hamstring pulls as well. Like it definitely wasn't a hamstring tear. Like he would have been down and in a lot more pain yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, than he was if that was the case. So it's some type of pull. We don't know the extent of the pull. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I remember when I watched it, I was like, okay, that's looking like touch and go like worst case, you know, he it's a month best case. It's like two weeks. So hopefully, you know, it's best case. And he's Here's able hoping, to play that man. first game. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I could also see a situation where maybe by the time the Belgium game comes, because it's the first game, um, and say if he's only at like 70%, mm. just don't play him. Like, yeah. you're, you're probably not getting a point in that game anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if you were to risk him and then he 
hurts himself even more and now he's out for Croatia and Morocco, then then you're really screwed. So I would not be surprised if he didn't play the first match. Hot World Cup talk off the top of Lockdown Raptors. That's what you come <laughs> here for. But uh, it's what was on my mind all weekend. By the way, tearing hamstrings. I know you, you tore an Achilles. Are you skipping leg day, Big V? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, this is the thing. I, I tore my hamstring when I was like um, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, ha- I hadn't had, you know, thankfully, I hadn't had a, a major injury since. Mm. So did pretty good job. You know, taking care of my body um, <laughs> the last 15 years. But yeah, I, I can't claim that at all. I'm sitting here. I was at a wedding on Saturday and my legs are still in agony from dancing. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> I'm throwing stones from a glass house over here. Speaking of pulled muscles, uh, Pascal Siakam, we've we got it back on the tracks. We're here. We've done it. There uh, Pascal Siakam is going to be out at least a couple weeks per the Raptors after slipping on the wet floor in Dallas on Friday, an adductor strain. We've seen this injury before. Pascal Siakam, I believe, had the same injury back in 2019. And, of course, DeMar DeRozan missed a long stretch with, a, I think it was a torn adductor. I think it was a more serious injury. I think he missed something like six weeks back in the 2015-14-15 season. Flipping against yeah. the Mavs. That was against yeah. the Mavs, too. It was against the Mavs too. I was, uh, I remember that one too because that was Josh Donaldson trade night. That was, uh, it was a big night in Toronto sports. But um, yeah, that, by the way, th- this is a thing my wife gets angry at me about. The only thing I, the only way I remember things is because of what happened in sports around the things that have happened in our lives. It's, uh, I'm a, I live a pathetic existence. But Pascal Siakam is going to miss a couple weeks. We saw Fred Van Vliet return from his lower back stiffness last night, and we saw what the Raptors are in theory going to try to look like without Pascal Siakam. That kind of feels like the place to dive in here, Big V. Um, You know, we saw it in the fourth quarter as well against Dallas. Scotty Barnes taking over in very exciting fashion after a quiet first three quarters. That was super cool. He gets the triple-double out of it. Um, They come up just short. Luka Doncic is ridiculous. I don't know what the hell you're supposed to do with him. Like, you can throw all the precious Achuas you want at him, and they can defend him wonderfully, and he's still going to hit ridiculous rainbow fadeaways over you, and you just got to live with it. But um, I I guess the question here is, we've seen now one game plus a quarter without Pascal Siakam. How do you envision the Raptors are going to weather this injury? Do you think they have the goods to weather it and not fall too far back in the standings here? They have the goods based on the upcoming schedule, right? We saw that. Oh, yes. That is helpful to be sure. (laughs) (laughs) Like if this was happening, you know, going right into the season and you look at those first seven games to open the season, then I might have a different answer. But when you Mm. look at the schedule, the fact that they took care of business in one of the games against the Bulls, uh, and then you've got, you know, the likes of the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pacers. Um, I think uh, that gives them an opportunity to keep their head above water. But I think the main thing, and, you know, we'll probably get into this later, is the consistency. And Mm -hmm. so um, we've seen some inconsistency to this point. uh, And we know that when they're at their best, they're very good. But then there's also Mm -hmm. the other side of it. And so it's uh, what, what does that floor look like? 
For sure. And I mean, we saw the offensive struggles even before Pascal went out in that Mavs game that kind of read their ugly head once again. As it stands right now, Raptors still not killing it in half court. 22nd in the NBA per cleaning the glass in points per play in the half court, which is better than where it was last year. And at full health, if they can be around 2022, that's probably going to mean pretty good things if they continue to just run down to the other team's throat every single time they get a steal or a turnover. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the half-court offense is going to be a challenge. I do think, however, the challenge gets a little bit less challenging with Fred Van Vliet back in the conversation because Fred Van Vliet, shocker, is very good at basketball. 30 points, 11, 11 assists, 5 boards last night, hits 5 threes, and really, I think without Pascal, look, in an ideal world, Fred Van Vliet is not your go-to creation engine in the half court. And I even think, even without Pascal, I think Scotty Barnes is probably going to get the lion's share of sort of creation opportunities throughout games, but... Fred Van Vliet is a vehicle to good looks in the half court, and that's just a byproduct of he's a good passer. He can get paint touches and kick out. He's obviously an excellent three-point shooter, whether off ball or on, and he can run, pick, and roll, and we saw hey, look, they're running the Pascal and uh, Fred inverted pick and roll with Scotty Barnes. And that's still maybe not quite as effective a play with, with Scotty in place of Pascal, considering how good Pascal's been. But that's still an effective look. That's they're still going to get a lot of very wide open threes for Fred on the left wing there as he flares out uh, after setting those screens. And I, I just think it was really nice to see Fred prove exactly how valuable he is last night. The way the Raptors play, you know, it can kind of be like, we are the hammer and everything is a nail, like, which is like the way that they continue to kind of fly at you with the same sort of shaped guys and the same style of play and the waves of defensive pressure and offensive transition they go with. But Fred Van Vliet is there because sometimes you need a screwdriver and you have to sort of manipulate the defense. You have to work, you know, the, the, the half court, you know, the sets and things like that. You have to get him running around off balls around screens and whatnot. It's a different look, but... No team is ever going to win with one look, and I think Fred Van Vliet kind of proved last night that his insertion into the lineup gives the Raptors different options. Are they the best options? Not necessarily, because Pascal Siakam doing things is the best option for this team, but without him, I kind of think they stand a chance of being at least passable on the half-court offense side of things, and the defense, I still think, will probably be pretty nasty, as we saw for stretches of that game against the Bulls last night. Uh, what are your thoughts on Fred and what he does to kind of alleviate alleviate the loss of Pascal here? Yeah, Fred is huge. I think what you watched last night, and you would think that you saw the Fred Van Vliet from the first half of last season, the guy totally. that made the All-Star team, that um, can carry the offense at times by himself, and really understands you know the moments in games and understands when he's got to really you know take on the onus himself when he can afford to you know play off of other guys and i think this is the role he's most comfortable in i think mm -hmm. we're seeing a bit of uh, what happened with kyle lowry in that championship season where whenever Kawhi was out of the lineup it was like okay boom i'm gonna be you know putting up 20 points eight assists five rebounds mm -hmm. doing everything I can to lead this team to win. And then when Kawhi is in there, I'm just going to take a back seat and sort of figure things out where I can find my rhythm, that type of thing. And that's what mm -hmm. we've seen, you know, w with his usage rate, his shot attempts uh, in the games that Pascal has been healthy, um, that Scotty has been healthy. And so 
now in this role, I do expect to see that, that guy that was averaging like 20.7 assists last season. And that's something he's mm. very adept and comfortable with doing. Yeah. And I think because of where Scotty is compared to where he was last year as a creator, I think a lot of those 20 points that Fred is in line to start picking up here, like I think the dispersal is going to be a little bit different than where we saw it last year, where a lot of it was self created stuff, mid range stuff last year for him last year. Um, I keep repeating myself because I'm bad at talking words. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I, I think we're going to see him, like we saw last night, you know, run around off ball, use his gravity to sort of bend the defense that way. And Scotty, I still think is going to have a, a pretty heavy creation burden here, probably even more so uh, than he would have had last year, of course, because of the strides he's made. Let me ask you, like, how comfortable are you right now with Scotty running the offense? Obviously, lots of really cool things happen when he's doing it. Uh, you know, he's able to get to his spots. He's got that great sort of leaning floater where he's kind of drifting left and puts it up. That feels like a pretty money shot for him right now. Um, and, you know, the, the no-look passes certainly help make the whole thing very aesthetically pleasing. Um, do you think... You know, Scotty's going to be thrown to the wolves here, I would say, in the next couple of weeks here as we wait for Pascal to come back just to kind of see if the flashes he's shown of being a little bit more forceful, having a little bit more pop on his drives, if that's actually legit and can carry over a, a bigger sort of, you know, creation burden. Do you have confidence that he's going to be able to do it? Do you think they might have to revert to a Fred-centric offense in time here uh, as they wait for Pascal to get back? What's your sort of read on Scotty's creation and his ability to kind of handle what is going to be thrown at him in this next couple of weeks? Yeah, I expect Scotty to be the number one playmaking option. I expect Fred to be the number one scoring option. Sure, sure. And so... Uh, you know, I had talked about this as one of my hmms uh, on a previous episode. But I really love that this segment has created a really awkward thing for everyone to have to say. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's really done exactly what I designed it to do. <laughs> and so what I was wondering about in that previous episode was, you know, Scotty's willingness to let the game come to him. Sure. Right. And so... You see these stretches where he does seem a little bit anonymous, if you will, and lets the game kind of go by. And then all of a sudden, there's stretches where it's like, okay, it's winning time. Like we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to make this run now, or we're going to lose, or you know, something bad is going to happen. Mm -hmm. and, and then you see him take it up to an incredible level that makes us believe the things that might be in store uh, for Scotty's future. And mm -hmm. so um, story I'm working on right now for Raptors.com that'll be up in the next couple of days is, hey, that question about Scotty Barnes and what he can be in the future, how much of that are we going to see right now in these right. next few weeks? And to finish that point, that aggression, whether whether it's for 30, 35 minutes, whatever it is he's playing, we need mm -hmm. to see it consistently from minute one. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, like the way he finished that fourth quarter against Dallas was incredible. Thrilling right? stuff, really, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> but you also got to wonder, how does he ha have three points after three quarters as well? Yeah, and, for and sure. That's the part where over the next few weeks, right, when you don't have a Pascal to lean on it's going to be more magnified 
Absolutely. It's uh, it's going to be a thing to monitor for sure. I know I'm very excited to see it. Like, it's not nice to have Pascal out, but it is kind of cool that it creates a laneway for Scotty to peer into the future a little bit, and we'll see how much he can hang. Uh, we're going to continue on here. We're going to talk about a couple of dudes who have been uh, messing things up on the defensive end in particular. OG Ananobi, who has a thousand steals already, I think is the official count on the, on the year, uh, and is looking pretty good on the other end as well the last couple nights out. And Christian Coloco, we're going to dig into those two guys, kind of the stars of the weekend, I think. We'll get to them in just a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports fun, easy, accessible, the whole nine yards. It's a great time to play. Uh, basically how it works is you put in your entry of two to five players and you predict whether you're they're going to get more or less than their projection in a given stat. So you want to say OG Ananobi is going to get more than two and a half steals? That is an entry you should be making for sure at this point considering recent events. All therefore put your entries together and if you win uh, up, on, up to five different times on a single entry, you can win time, win 10 times more money when you are successful. You have fast and safe withdrawals as well and Prize Picks is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada in every province except for Ontario. So please go check them out right now. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on all one word don't forget to enter the promo code locked on to get that 100 instant deposit match which means 100 free dollars appears in your account what a great deal over at prize picks who have made daily fantasy sports super fun this lockdown podcast is brought to you by home chef now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down how are your resolutions coming one of mine was to order less takeout cook more at home but i'll be honest i haven't been consistent that is until i found home chef home chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Went a little long in that first segment, but that's fine because it was a loaded weekend and lots of stuff to dig into. Uh, Vivek, let's now move our attention over to, again, the guys who I kind of think were the stars of the weekend. And OG Ananobi and Christian Coloco. OG on Friday against the Mavs explodes for 27 points, 11 to 21, seven boards, five more steals because he's a monster. Uh, and then follow that up with 22, six and three with three steals on 10 to 19, two of five from deep in the game against the Bulls. Uh, we'll get to Coloco in a second. He was really exciting last night in particular, but uh, thoughts on OG's weekend. We were kind of seeing him round back into offensive form here, it seems, after kind of being in the wilderness to begin the year. Uh, the defense has obviously been there all the way through. Um, you know, I'm, it's going to have to be like this, right? Without Pascal, OG's probably going to have to take up a bit of an offensive burden here. But what have your impressions been of what he's been doing on the offensive end? Has he scored 49 points over the weekend? Is there anything that he's doing that's got your eye in particular? What's your read on OG after a very strong couple of games? Yeah, so offensively, like, 
I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. I think he's looking a bit more like uh, the guy we saw prior to last season. And, mm. you know, uh, those threes are really falling for him. Um, the opportunities to attack the basket, he's really uh, identifying them. You know, here and there, you can say there's some post-up opportunities that he could finish better on. The balance isn't quite there. Um, mm-hmm. Here and there, there's a couple of drives where uh, there's still a bit of that premeditation. So um, that's going to be part of the process. That's fine. Um, but all in all, you know, you, you mentioned just this weekend, and that's what we're mainly discussing. But the last six games, he's averaging 19 points. He's shooting 59.6% on twos, 38.7% on threes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a plus 65 <laughs> in that span. <laughs> so uh, he has been absolutely instructive instrumental in the raptors wins um he's been instrumental in keeping the raptors close mm-hmm. uh i think that's something that i find really encouraging like this season this underlying theme that you know when the raptors have kind of had to hang in there he's been a leader and like mm-hmm. has actually like single-handedly kept the raptors in games for stretches and yeah that's something that is a big development for me yeah, I, I think for me, when I think about what OG's doing so far this year, I think of like, you ever watch Planet Earth? Any of these, uh, you know, very high definition nature documentaries. Sometimes yeah. you'll have a situation where maybe you have like, a, I don't know, let's say some hyenas are, are, are working on, you know, eating a little wildebeest. They're just hanging out. And sometimes you'll see a big beefy lion walk up and scare all the hyenas away and take the carcass for himself. OG kind of feels like that big beefy line, like where it's just like, okay, there's a scramble for the ball. I'm just going to come in here, steal it and dunk it on your face. Uh, Oh, there's this sort of broken possession. I'm going to get this steal. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to dunk it in your face. Uh, It's just he really is hopping on the opportunism side of things. And honestly, this is like what I envisioned for OG. Is he going to ever be a prime number one apex predator creator wing? Probably not. The handle's a little bit too wobbly for that. The balance can get a little weird at times. He can certainly do it in spurts. We've seen the mid-range jumper here and there. It's great to see those little pops of it. But where OG is really going to eat and where he's probably going to secure like a 63 true shooting percentage is on those opportunistic buckets, whether it's offensive putbacks, whether it's in transition, whether it's cutting and being the benefactor of attention paid elsewhere on the defense. That's the stuff he's incredible at. And if he's just doing that stuff a little bit more often, which it feels like he's doing lately, that's going to lead to him having an uptick in scoring, you know, scoring punch. And, you know, we'll see the sort of, you know, the the numbers match the preseason desire for a bigger role or whatever the hell the thing was coming into the year with OG that I don't know if we ever even got confirmed was a thing he cared about. But either way, um, he just he really is kind of cleaning up all these messes and is the benefactor of chaos. And like that was the real takeaway from the Raptors win over the Bulls, right? Is they like they optimized the chaos. They were the ones who turned weird broken possessions into good things for them. And OG's fingerprints were all over that. And it was a delight to behold because he's terrifying when he gets rolling downhill. He's just like the strongest man in the world flying at you at 100 miles an hour. Like, clear the way. Again, the beefy line on the savannah coming to mess up everybody else's day. <laughs> um, any last thoughts there on OG before we turn our attention to Christian Coloco? I think the last thing I'll just say is, you know, to that point you were making earlier about um, expectations for OG. Mm-hmm. The great thing is, like, this is exactly 
what OG needs to be on this team. Yeah. Right. And I think for sure. Uh, the fan base can sort of get excited about someone and then almost feel like you don't need this other guy anymore, right? Like we saw it with <laughs> Scotty playing the point and being like, oh, you know what? Maybe Fred is expendable. Yeah, maybe Fred should go to the garbage can and just take a little walk, huh? Like, it's right. ridiculous. <laughs> and and that's what we saw in the offseason with OG, with, with some of the debate, right? Where it's like, oh, you've got Fred and Scotty and Pascal. Is OG expendable now? Um, yeah. And I think understanding that getting more of these good players just makes the team better and just makes everyone just slot into their best role mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is important and the fact that now you you've got this comfort in when healthy pascal number one fred slash scotty after that you've mm -hmm. got gary who can score and og can slide in there depending on you know the type of night he's having offensively and give you the defense mm -hmm. that's a great role for og so yeah. there's no reason for him to go anywhere <laughs> yeah there, there's no reason og can't be the best player of that archetype in the nba right like that's really what we're talking about is he going to be Kawhi leonard no but can he be a souped up version of mikhail bridges mixed with draymond green yeah kind of he's freaking awesome he's incredible i don't like the draymond green comparisons it's always stupid to do that please don't uh, cancel me for that uh because it's a uh, it's dumb and lazy but either way uh not lazy was uh christian coloco around the rim last night against the bulls six blocks for him uh a really really tremendous performance the Raptors defense is just like a, a monster with him on the floor. Zach Lowe wrote about this in his 10 things on Friday about how adding Coloco to the mix just kind of makes it an even more impenetrable wall of large dudes and arms and limbs. Um, I thought for me, you know, in a game where the Raptors were selling out to stop DeMar DeRozan, sending extra attention his way, doing their typical star killing type of defense, the main ingredient they'd been missing with that the last couple of seasons is a backline rim protector to clean up any messes that are caused by heavy, heavy rotation. And lo and behold, Christian Coloco back there cleaning up those messes. Pretty good. Uh, what were your thoughts on Coloco's uh, probably best, yeah, clearly best game to, of his career so far? 31 minutes, 11, 7, and 2 with the six blocks. Really, really cool to see him kind of flourish. Uh, what were your thoughts on Coloco and the way he performed against the Bulls in particular? I thought he was phenomenal. I thought it was the best game of his young season, young career. Uh, and I think the intent with which he's able to go after guys who are trying to dunk the ball is so exciting. Like you look at a guy like Patrick Williams trying to go to the rack and every single time. Poor Pat Williams, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there, there's something. That Christian took personally, <laughs> yeah, with Patrick Williams. But um, you know, to you know, block dunk attempts like that to be a constant, uh, you know, intimidator at the rim is obviously something that the Raptors just don't have, and it's special mm -hmm. to have that now on this team. Um, there's obviously a lot he'll have to learn um, in matchups with a guard like Luka Doncic and yeah. you know, the way that guy can manipulate a pick and roll. And and th these are all learning experiences. They're invaluable in accelerating his growth. And mm -hmm. so I think he's doing well for right now. And, you know, frankly, with Precious's ups and downs, like 
you're perfectly good with rolling this way. Yeah, 100%. And, and like, it just, it, he, you know, you don't have to, like we saw, he played 11 minutes against the Mavs. There are going to be some matchups where it's just not it, and that's fine. But what an incredible luxury to have in the seven foot one dude who can come in and be that backline line of defense as a rookie. Like, look, there are mistakes, obviously. Any rookie's going to make mistakes, any veteran's going to make mistakes. But the mistakes seem way fewer and further between with him. I think Nick Nurse kind of remarked upon this in the preseason. Um, and it, it really it, it gives them such a different element. Again, Last year, this team was really a one-trick pony. They did the one thing really, really well, and if it worked, they won. If it didn't, they lost. This year, they have different things they can do. They can go Vision 6-9 and spread out and just go straight wings. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet is there as the different wrinkle guy on offense. Coloco's there for the different looks on defense. And just uh, when you are going to play that really hyper-aggressive double-the-star defense, Having that guy at the back line, like Marcus Gasol was back in the 2019-20 season, where he was maybe their best defensive player over 45 games or whatever. Um, that that that's such a huge luxury to have, and it's really cool to see that. Like I didn't expect this. I did not think we were going to see Coloco get this much run early on. Um, but he's deserved every second of it, and I will gladly eat the L on that one because it's super fun to watch. And also the Raptors defense. I'm trying to pull up the exact number here of what the defense is doing when he's on the floor. It's uh, it's nuts. Please bear with me as NBA.com is uh, unusable this season and very <laughs> slow. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, when he's on the floor, the Raptors have a 96.5 defensive rating in 174 minutes, which would That's by far good. be the best defense in the NBA. Pretty ridiculous. The next best guy, Ken Birch, 34 minutes, 88.6. Good for him. Uh, but then Fred Van Vliet, the next guy who's played regularly, uh, 104.8 when he's on the floor. So yeah, Cloak is making a big impact. And uh, watching him help with the double at half court and then get back to the rim to block the hell out of Pat Williams. Mwah, it's beautiful. We love to see it. Uh, we're going to continue on here, Big V. We're going to get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend before we get you out of here. Uh, before we do that, though, just a reminder, Locked On Leafs every day. The Leafs are winning games against good teams all of a sudden. Who, who knew they'd be fine? They always are. Uh, go check out Locked On Leafs as Mike and Dave over there doing a great job breaking it all down as they head and continue to try to build on this win streak they got going. It's fun stuff. Locked On Leafs every day wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Big V, the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we close out game recap episodes. Because we had two games this weekend, we will dig into just sort of a good, bad, and the hmm from the whole weekend as a whole. Maybe a theme or a through line from the couple games. Let's begin with your good. What you got? Yeah, so we already talked about OG, who mainly highlighted his offense, uh, but his defense has been absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, to have a streak of three straight with five steals, uh, five plus steals is ridiculous. And yeah, ho hopefully that continues. The the guy I want to talk about is Chris Boucher. I oh, yes. He, yep. he has become <laughs> such a dependable guy off the bench. I love that Fred Van Vliet 
was asked a question about uh, Thad and Otto being like steadying veteran presences on the team. Mm -hmm. And he added Chris Boucher to that list Yep, and said, Chris Boucher has become that guy for us as well. And so uh, I think the consistency of his energy, his effort, um, and like the identity that he adds to this team, it's like, oh, you know, the Raptors get off to a slow start. It's like, oh, okay, Chris Boucher has checked in. It's going mm-hmm. to change right now. And yeah. so I think he's become <laughs> such an important piece uh, of the puzzle for the Raptors. And, you know, you usually associate it with like point guards in yeah. like putting guys in their right spots. But it feels like when Chris Boucher comes in off the bench, it's like, everyone kind of knows like <laughs> what they're supposed to be <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it, it's um he is like honestly six man of the year should be in the conversation like, he, he should be in that he he drives positive play like very few bench players do and he you know he's so intri- like he's integral to the transition attack he's gotten so good finishing on the run um you know I, I would imagine there were times in recent years where he was a little overzealous he gets kind of ahead of his skis a little bit not so this year he's just so in control even when things are bearing down on him chris boucher rocks uh really really loving it he might be is it crazy to say is he the fifth best player on the Raptors? Like in terms of driving, like obviously Gary Trent Jr. is awesome, but like Chris Boucher is right in that conversation. He like the, that contract looks fantastic already. And uh, man, no, right now I think it's a no brainer. I think he is yeah, absolutely. He's he's great. We love Chris Boucher. Uh, one thing I love, my good is the return of Thad Young to the rotation, baby. I oh. love Thad. You know what I love also is Thad and Otto teaming up to be the dad force on whatever lineup they play together in. It's great. Um, And they started to use Thad in some lineups featuring good players, which is the thing I've been calling for because that's what makes Thad Young really good. I will highlight in particular one lineup that I especially loved from the game against the Mavs last night. Thad, Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Christian Coloco, 11 minutes, a plus 90 net rating, a 60 defensive rating, a 150 offensive rating, small samples be damned, Thad Young is the fixer, Um, and I just, him and Porter, I think, coming off that bench, especially considering the unevenness of Precious Achua, who still has incredibly high flashes and incredibly low moments, which is fine. It's all part of the, the development process here. But having those two guys to come in and steady things, Thad's extra playmaking and ball handling without Pascal, I think is going to be a pretty important piece here, especially as those main lines try to survive. Uh, and I think Porter, while he hasn't scored a ton, he just looks like he like belongs in the Raptors defense. He's getting steals and deflections all over the place. The three-pointers are falling on the very low volume he's taking. I'm sure they'll work more in for him. The Thad-Auto duo off the bench. Uh, I'm glad to see it. Glad to see Thad's back in the rotation. And I hope that stays because uh, like, I think there's a lot there for Thad to give still, especially with Pascal out of the lineup. Uh, let's go on to our bad... Big V, what you got there? Yeah, Precious Achua, I think, uh, you know, huge expectations coming into this season. He, Mm. for the most part, has not delivered. He's had um, some incredible highs. Yes. (laughs) Not dismissing that. But I think the the lows have been too low and too frequent. And Mm. I think, you know, he probably expects the most out of himself and Mm-hmm. If you asked him, I'm sure he'd be disappointed with his start to the season. Uh, just too many duds so far. 
And I just think the way he's playing, it's a bit too forced and it's a bit mechanical in the sense that, oh, I was doing these things last season yeah, and I'm just going to keep trying to do them until it works. And I think you have to show that bit of polish and recognizing that, hey, okay, you know, this isn't working. I'm going to try and, you know, do things a bit differently and get myself into a rhythm first and then work my way from there. Yeah, I, I think a thing that's really noticeable right now is whenever Precious kind of goes to work at an ISO, everyone else knows it's not coming to them. Like they're already walking back because they know it's either going to be a, a, a short brick or it, it'll go in sometimes because Precious has that to him. But uh, like there's just not a lot in terms of playmaking vision at all right now. And it's very tunnel visiony. Um, you know, look, I, I get it. The way the Raptors kind of do this, they kind of give their guys chances to go and call their own number, right? They do it with Gary Trent Jr. They do it with OG. They do it with Precious as well. Um, you know, I, I do think he could probably stand to lay off of that a little bit more and just kind of maybe try to space and get that three-point shot going, even though it has been very wayward so far this year. But again, the nice thing is you have, I think, a bit of a deeper core of guys you can roll through. And so if Precious is having an off night, you do have Coloco you can slide into play 30 minutes. Trenton, Thad, or, or sorry, Thad and Boucher, or, or Thad and Boucher, Thad and Porter, all of them will uh, will help kind of fill, fill in those minutes as well. So um, it's not as detrimental to the overall health of the team as I might have thought it would be to see Precious struggle this badly. But obviously, if you get him back at the level he was after the All-Star break last year, this team becomes a whole new new problem for everybody else which would be very cool uh my bad is just simply uh pascal siakam getting hurt it sucks uh he was off to such an incredible start to the season i would imagine he'll pick it up whenever he comes back but you know you never know how these things go the, the groin injury is uh, is a fickle one for sure and we've seen it cost guys long stretches my hope is that he'll be back in time to not have like his all-star candidacy or anything like that disrupted um but certainly sucks to see a guy playing that well get hurt i think we can all agree that's bad. Uh, let's go to our hmm to close things out. Big V, what you got? What's your hmm? Uh, so my hmm is watching the Raptors as a whole and wondering about uh, the inconsistency in effort that we've seen. Mm. Um, I don't think there's been quite the intensity uh, for as long uh, as stretches as we saw last season. And, you know, a 6-4... and four, record is solid especially considering what the first seven games look like but i think there have been some missed opportunities in there and that's kind of why i'm still a bit wait and see despite what the schedule looks like over the next few and mm. you know this isn't an okc that you're facing in you know feb or march right shea gilgis alexander is playing great basketball they're almost 500 right now um Tyrese Halliburton's playing great for the Indiana Pacers and they're almost 500 as well. So I don't mm -hmm. think those are going to be easy games. And so um, if you don't show up with that intensity right from the get go um, and, you know, individually, like we talked about precious, we've talked about uh, Scotty bringing it from the jump, all those little things add up. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And, you know, I guess it's sort of a difficult line to toe because sometimes the critique is, why do they try so damn hard? They're getting hurt. They're throwing themselves around. They're playing too many minutes. Um, and it is trying to, you know, I, I, 
I can't imagine a Raptors team is going to struggle over the course of a full season with effort. Like that's kind of their whole thing. And I don't think Nick Nurse will kind of let that slide over long periods, but certainly it is really part of the season. You don't want to get caught by some team that's kind of playing above their head right now because you're not trying. And this was a problem for them last year. They lost a lot of games that were winnable. They won a lot against really good teams. So they kind of evened out, but certainly you don't want to see them, especially with no Pascal here. Like you've been given a gift by the schedule gods to have this schedule without Pascal. It would be a damn shame shame to let it slip because uh, you stopped trying for a quarter or two. Um, my hmm is offensive rebounding, Big V. Uh, intriguing stuff. They were 21st in the NBA in offensive rebounding before Friday night. Uh, since then, 18 offensive rebounds against the Mavs, 23 against the Bulls last night as well. I am curious, like, is this a counter to Siakam going out, maybe realizing the half-court offense is going to get a little wonky? Are they reinvesting themselves in offensive rebounding, or is it a two-game blip? I am very intrigued because, of course, that's the thing they did extremely well last year. And, yeah, they're up to fifth in the NBA in offensive rebounding percentage per NBA.com after being 21st just, like, five days ago. So, uh, really interesting there. I, I don't know what to make of it just yet, but uh, we know that was a good formula for success for them last year, and if that's a way to overcome the lack of pascal i don't think that is a terrible way to go you got to get out of here big v because you have to work i will let you go thank you so much for coming on the show man this was great anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there before we get out of here well uh in addition to covering the raptors for the next six weeks i will be working with ctv as a digital editor and producer for uh their world cup page and so yes you can find a lot of my content up on their world cup page uh in the weeks to come amazing stuff we love it we can't wait for the world cup it's going to be a delight and we can't wait to read big v's work on it it's so awesome very very exciting uh we're gonna let you go there thank you so much for tuning in please subscribe follow rate review the podcast wherever you get your podcast for free uh we're also on youtube of course as well and uh we'll be back again tomorrow we'll break down raptors bulls that'll be fun and uh, in the meantime go make your second listen of the day locked on nba as they are covering the league from a world league uh, 10,000 foot league-wide perspective and doing a great job with it lots of raptors talking there because i usually text the host with raptors propaganda to include in the show uh so go check that out uh wherever you get your podcast and we will talk to you again on tuesday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.